Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Once you start scouting, it's like a disease. It gets in your body. You're infected with it. You're tuned in to the Infectious Scouting Podcast with your hosts, Russell Landy and Rick Saratello. Back at it again. It's another edition. Buckle up. Up with Tim Strathcon today here on the Infectious Scouting Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Rick Saratella, telling it like it is when it comes to the NFL draft since 2002. You know how we do. Um, of course, we'll be joined by the star of the show. He is Russell Landy. Of course, follow him on Twitter at Russ Landy. Uh, now scouting with the Calgary Stampeders, previously the Montreal Alouettes, Cleveland Browns, Los Angeles Rams, UCLA Bruins. XFL, one of the few men walking the planet who have scouted in every, just about every professional league. Uh, frequent flyer, Miles Delore. You may have saw the tweet, NFL Draft Bible more frequent flyer, Miles, than any media outlet on the planet. And that's a testament to our scouting staff. So, hey, make sure you get locked and loaded with the 2020 NFL Draft Bible. It's scheduled for April 1st release. But we've been bunkered down here at the Jersey Shores, cranking it. I'm trying to get it out to you before before our deadline. We're doing our best. So shout out to all the wonderful folks behind the scenes, especially uh, Ryan Roberts at Rising Draft, doing a remarkable job bringing this bad boy home. And uh, thank God, you know, we're going to do our positional preview series here on the Infectious Scouting Podcast, which means we're only, according to the NFLDraftBible.com tracker, 42 days away from the 2020 NFL Draft in Las Vegas. Hopefully, the coronavirus won't cancel that NFL Draft. And if not, hey, go to NFLDraftBible.com, go to products, get that uh, NFL Draft Bible. What I meant to tell you, it'll have over 500 scouting reports, but if you Go download it today or pre-order today. We'll send you the All-Star Recap, which has over 350 scouting reports. So you can get a jump on that, jam on it, like Nuclear said. But today we're going to break down uh, defensive backs. We're going to count you down each week, preview some uh, positions leading up to the draft, which means, you know, we've been through this process now 319 days, 320 days, 320-something days. Uh, and right along with us has been Russ Landy to break it all down for us, and we're going to pick his brain. I'll give you my input, but we'll talk about the cornerbacks uh, and safeties. We'll work in a reverse order. We'll count you down every position leading up to the draft, all the way down to quarterbacks, which is going to be our favorite show because if you're a first-time listener or you're not familiar uh, with Russell Landy, well, hey, uh, not sure how many people know this. He has a unique perspective and viewpoint on how to break down quarterbacks he's been doing it a long time going back to the days of dick vermeil so that'll be a must tune in show as it is each and every week show some love and respect out on itunes drop us a review give us a rating we're we're, we're doing we're doing a damn thing over here russ welcome to the big show brother what's going on brother Oh, man, just, you know, trying to stay virus-free here at the Jersey Shore. It's a very quiet time, a very, very nice uh, weather here, Russ, in New Jersey. It's, it's going to be about 70 degrees here, so you're going to enjoy your next visit to the Jersey Shore. The weather's going to be a whole heck of a lot nicer. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to getting back there, seeing what's going to happen. Uh, we got our the uh, St. Peter's tryout this weekend, so... Uh, I'm looking forward to getting out there and getting our first, uh, at least my first tryout with uh, with the stamps um, done and uh, see where that goes. I'm pumped. I'm excited to be back east. Yeah, no, I'll be I'll be there for sure. And, um, you know, we'll be here each and every week breaking down the positional preview series, Russ, which means we've been 
you know, in this 2020 draft cycle now for, you know, 320 plus days, uh, we are now officially down the home stretch. So we're just going to call it like we see it, talk about who the top guys are at each position, throw out some, some under the radar guys, some, some guys that we might be higher on. Uh, you know, of course, we always got love for the small school prospects, so we'll shine the spotlight on them as well. Um, but, you know, looking at the safety class, Russ, we're going to work reverse order, start off with the safeties. And, you know, to me, just as a general overview and before we start breaking it all down, to me, this is a very underrated position in this year's draft class. Um, I take a look at four, maybe possibly five, candidates to maybe crack the first round I think all five at least make the top 50 and I think you're looking at quite a few guys that can on day two and eventually emerge as day two starters so to me if I were to give a uh, uh, you know alphabetical uh, you know, a b c or d I would I would actually give this like a very high uh, b plus grade in terms of the overall strength of this safety class well, I think there's no doubt the safety class is strong. And it's strong, I think, interestingly, from the elite schools with guys from like LSU, Minnesota, and going down to the smaller schools, Lenore, Rhyme, Southern Illinois. I mean, it's not, a, it's not a common class where it's all squeezed at the top from Power 5 programs and then the rest of the guys just guys. It's a, it's a really deep class. I think you're going to see at least one, if not two guys that go in that third to fifth round area that end up being starters early in their career, even as rookies. Because a lot of safeties end up, if they played in the passing conference, a lot of them come in that are not heralded and end up playing a lot or starting as rookies because the ability to understand passing concepts from a safety position helps a lot of guys step in earlier than some other guys from bigger schools that may not have dealt with as much crazy passing in college. No, that's a uh, very good point. And uh, also, yeah, we have some small school studs quite a few that we're going to highlight on this episode, but let's take a look at the uh, cream of the crop, your top guys. Give us your top five safeties for the 2020 NFL draft class. Courtesy of Russell Landy, drum roll, please. Hit him, baby. You know what I mean? For me, it's five. It's a little bit of sort of a, a flip. Uh, two guys, sort of the two small school guys. Um whether you're like Kyle Duger or Jeremy Chin, to me, that's four and five for me. Um, I think these are both really impressive football players um, that I think are going to play in the NFL and be productive guys, um, chance to start early in their career. Um, Chin, although I love his film, the one thing that's got me a little bit concerned is there are times when I watch him, I think he's a little bit straight line-ish. Um, but I like him. I think both those guys are guys that have a chance to be really good. Um, then you have the McKinney kid from Alabama. my number three guy. I like him a lot. Um, to me, the kid that I love is Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, I think this is a guy that he's a little bit like the kid the Chargers took um, a few years back. Um, they, but this kid's not obviously as big. But when I watch this kid play, Winfield's a guy that can almost line up anywhere. I mean, even though he's a little guy at 5'9", I would have no problem sliding him in and making him sort of a, a like a, a dime linebacker, move him into safety, move him out into sort of slot corner. I mean, this is a guy, I love his versatility. Um, he plays with the chip on his shoulder like his dad did. Um, I like this kid. And to me, the number one guy, it's been that way all season. I don't see another player as safety that's even in Grant Delpit's category to me it's it's one truly special rare guy and then everybody else is below him you know and i i agree with you there at the top i think that you know as this draft process drags on uh grant delpit it seems like they've kind of dragged him through the mud trying to you know pick be extra choosy with pointing out flaws but at the end of the day i i think delpit is the guy um, he kind of got lost in the mix down the stretch run there with the LSU championship run. So many talented guys on that defense, but this guy has a body of work. He's done it for years. He can also move around a little bit there on the field. So I like everything about Grant Delpit. I agree with you with uh, McKinney. I think he's uh, number two for me. 
I like his ability, you know, to step up, especially in the box and be physical and make plays in the run game. So uh, Winfield for me would be number three. I, I mean, this guy, even before the injury last year, sitting out the season, I mean, you were watching him as a sophomore freshman saying, hey, this guy is a stud. I agree with you. He plays bigger than his size. Uh, to me, I'd be stunned. I'd be shocked if Antoine uh, Winfield uh, escapes the first round. You know, uh, to me, he's been a first round guy, um, and that hasn't shifted. And then, yeah, it, you know, flip a coin, um, you know, between Chin and Duggar, Duggar, um, just incredible numbers. I mean, you know, usually it is the the the, the big time uh, power five conference guys that put up these incredible numbers in Indianapolis. Here comes Chin. At you know six foot three, two twenty, runs runs a four four five, forty one inch vert, uh, you know eleven foot broad, and same thing with Duger. I mean, you know a little bit older prospect, but you talk about the wingspan. I mean, this guy has a seventy eight and a half inch wingspan, just way greater arm reach than any safety listed. And then you talk about his ups. I mean, 42-inch vertical, this guy is going to go up and get some jump balls. He also had the longest broad jump and ran, you know, 4.49 and, you know, at six foot, uh, one, 217 pounds. These are incredible specimens. I mean, really, uh, when you take a look at it, Winfield actually is the only guy under uh, six foot. He comes in at five foot nine. Del Pitt, six, two and a half. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves there for that. I will say Ashton Davis, to me, Russ, is a guy, dark horse candidate round one for me, uh, former walk-on, former track standout at Cal. I think this is a guy who could, you know, have a long, successful career at the next level. So I think, you know, again, when you talk about the depth of this class, also one last guy, I think Tanner Muse at 6'2", 227. I mean, he, obviously limited uh, – uh, you know, mobility and, and, and bend there. And he's got straight line speed, but to run a four, four, one, uh, at six, two, two twenty seven. I mean, these safeties are moving. Uh, so not only are they tall, but they're fast. And I think, you know, the big thing Russ to me is they're versatile. And I still believe at some point here in the next five to 10 years, cornerback safeties they'll all be interchangeable they'll all be six foot plus they'll all run in four fours they'll all be able to cover they'll all be able to tackle and you'll have pretty much five interchangeable uh defensive backs that can kind of play any position at some point i think that's where the future of the nfl lies we're just not there yet the, the only the only thing i'll argue with you on that is i agree that's where they want it to be the nfl finding five similar guys the problem is, I honestly don't think there's enough guys in America to find that are six feet and that are athletic enough to play DB in the NFL. If they were guys that are terrible players that just run fast, wouldn't go in the second and third round every year because teams are desperate to find anybody over 5'10 who can run. So I agree with the philosophy of wanting all tall guys in your secondary and make them interchangeable. I just don't think there's enough humans in America that are athletic enough to play professional football as DBs. Well, it's it's an interesting debate. As you were saying that, I just looked at the safeties board alone. Inside the top ten, there's eight guys over six feet, five five or lower, and, and that's just safeties. It's an interesting debate, and and you're right. There's always going to be, you know, specialty roles and 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 niches. So you know, maybe I'm daydreaming here at the Jersey Shore, but I think that my point is, when you take a look at how the position has evolved what these guys are able to do now it, it, it's I will say the safeties have become blurred where, you know, these guys can move around and be interchangeable parts, but Hey, um, I I'm pretty much on board with you in terms of how the safety rankings go. So I think it's a, a, a pretty secure consensus, the top five or six guys, you know, I don't see, that changing uh, much across draft rooms. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think day two is kind of where we'll see some surprises there, but uh, we mentioned Russ, Russ Landy, Rick Severtel here, breaking down the defensive backs. We mentioned Russ, the depth of this class. So uh, give us a guy now that you're kind of higher on 
than what the consensus national media is. And, and granted, you know, I haven't been able to keep up with what other people are saying too much, but, you know, give us a guy that you kind of pound on the table for if you're in the war room, somebody that really, um, you just feel like, Hey, you know what? I, I, I'm not sure that everybody else is seeing what I'm seeing here. Well, you know, I mean, when I look at safety, the one guy that jumps out to me is the Jordan Fuller kid from Ohio State. And I know we ran in the four sixes and people are saying, oh, you can't. Guys like that don't survive anymore. But you know what? I look at this kid and I watch him cover tight ends. I, I watch him constantly be in the right place. I see his natural awareness and instincts. And I just think this is a guy that I think is probably going to be a day three pick. I could see him being a fourth, fifth round guy. I think he's a hell of a football player. I think he's a physically violent player. I think he's a guy that you talk about a versatile guy. I mean, yeah, you're going to want him as covering a slot receiver. No, but if I want a guy who can be my power safety and can also come down and sort of be that guy in the box as my coverage linebacker, this is a guy I like in that role, that sort of tweener role between those two spots. You can move him around. I really like this kid. I also like when you watch him play, it's clear that the rest of the Ohio state back seven, they look to him to sort of when things start to get a little unsettled, they look to him. He seems like he has that presence to calm people down. I just like this kid. I think there's something about him. I think he's going to be in the league a long time. I think there's a very good likelihood he's going to be a starter, not early, but probably in within two years. I think this kid's going to surprise people and end up starting in the NFL. Interesting because Fuller's a guy that you kind of see a lot of uh, – fluctuation on his draft stock some guys love him some guys are kind of eh but you know he's a guy that I think a lot of people have to circle back to because yeah you said it you know his measurables aren't jumping out at you but the guy's just a football player so you know um Fuller Ohio State Jordan Fuller is a guy that Russ is high on I'm going to give you a guy you know and I had a chance to catch him against uh, Fresno State during my west coast travels Javen White, Javen White from UNLV, I, I believe he's a top 100 player in this year's draft class. Uh, he has played corner, strong safety, outside linebacker. Uh, honestly, he played at six foot two, 211 pounds. He played mostly at backer for the Rebels this year, but I like him at strong safety. That's where we had him out in Pasadena at the NFL PA Bowl, but he's just long. He's athletic. Um, he's a ball hawk. And, you know, this is a guy, I think, again, almost in a Jabril Peppers type of um, mold where he can play multiple positions, high energy, uh, vocal player out on the field, really embraces that leadership role, makes sure that, you know, players are aligned correctly. And heck, I mean, he had a bunch of tackles this year, a bunch of interceptions, a bunch of pass deflections, uh, 80 tackles, three interceptions, 14 pass deflections. In other words, he was all over the field, Ross. And I'll tell you what, he was one of the best performers out there in Pasadena. I think this is a guy that nobody's talking about because he played ball at UNLV. He's from the Oakland uh, Bay Area. But this is a guy, Javin White, who to me, um, if he's there on the board day two, I don't care where I'm taking them. Uh, this is a guy who can suit up for me any day of the week. So, uh, Jordan Fuller, Gavin White, two guys. Uh, if you don't know, now you know. But how about if we go low, Russ? Give me a guy that, you know, you're hearing buzz about and you're just kind of scratching your head saying, you know what, I've watched them. I've tried to like them. I just don't see it. Who's that guy for you? You know, I won't put it, I'm not going to give you a guy that I don't like at all, but I will say, and we both mentioned in our top five safeties, the McKinney kid from Alabama. I, I like him as a guy in that third round area, got a chance to start, but there was a lot of talk about him being in the discussion with Grant Delpit. And, and I got to say, I never see or saw the, the, the athleticism that Delpit has. When I look at the McKinney kid, I see a physical safety good athleticism but he's not a special athlete and that's the concern i have i think he's going to play in the nfl i think he's probably going to be a starter i don't think he's going to be a special guy i think delvin is a rare special guy and to me when i kept hearing people hyping this kid as a guy that had to be considered a competitor with delvin 
to be the top guy, I don't see it. I like this kid. I think he's a physical, long kid at six foot, but I just don't see him as a special guy as a safety. And I know some people have him very high. Some people even think he's a better prospect than Delphi, which I just do not see. I don't understand. Yeah, no. Well, he, you know, he's another guy that I've seen ahead of Delpit, and then I've also seen him in the middle of the second round. So, um, to your point, yeah, I think I think it's going to be interesting to see where he lands because, you know, he he could be in that day two mix. We'll see. I mean, those small school guys certainly stated their case, and uh, you know, Russ Landy's telling it like it is here on the Infectious Scouting Podcast, along with Rick Ferratella. Uh, the one guy that I'm kind of lower on, and, you know, I don't know what the general consensus is. I don't even know if he still has a draftable grade at this point, but I know there was a buzz on this player uh, at one point in the last year or two. Javante Moffitt from Middle Tennessee, you know, he was put on our radar a couple years back by the DB coach there. He has since moved on, but they have produced several notable NFL players. Kevin Byard from Tennessee, All-Pro. A couple other guys there in the secondary, but Moffitt to me has been a puzzling piece of the puzzle because, you know, I've spoken to area scouts down there in the southeast, and they just said, you know, I don't know what the hell he's doing out there this year. I mean, his film is atrocious. He just looks lost in space. Uh, I've even had one scout tell me that he called the coaches to say, is there something off the field that we should know about? Is there something affecting him mentally? Is there an injury he's playing through? I don't know. I'm not privy to these conversations. I haven't been inside the war room. I haven't spoken to this man and spent 15 minutes with him in an eight by eight cell. So I don't know what the answers are as to why his production or play this year. Uh, But to me, Javante Moffitt, who once was considered you know, a pretty reputable draft pick. I think he is now going to have to earn his way onto a roster or a practice squad as a undrafted free agent. And, you know, this is a guy that we have seen his draft stock fall tremendously. I don't think he was even invited to the NFL Combine. So, to me, this is a guy that at one point, maybe a year or two ago, we were thinking pretty highly of a player. And now is definitely in that free agent category range. Uh, so, Javante Moffitt, to me, is the one guy I'm probably lower on. And it sounds like the NFL teams are lower on. I don't know where, you know, the media has him, but that's one guy that I was kind of disappointed on. Um, let's go to small school stud, uh, Russ. A small school stud. I think we've covered them in Chin and Duger. I kind of have. Yeah, I don't know if there really is another stud in a small school that's going to play or realistically have a career at safety. To me, beyond those two, I think you're really sort of stretching it, at least from what I've seen. Yes, digging in the crates, but I'm going to go there. So we had our guy Joe Everett down in uh, uh, St. Petersburg for the East West Shrine game. We're going to go down to the D2 level, and I'm not saying he's getting drafted, Russ, but Darius Williams from Carson Newman. I know you've been all over the country. I'm sure you've been into Carson Newman. This guy, I'll tell you, he had a hell of a week for himself at the East-West Shrine game. I think he was one of the better performers. I wasn't there, but just that, I mean, this guy was just standing out all week long. Now, as you know, the combine votes are are done before – the all-star circuit rolls around. So the teams had already voted on who should get an invite to the combine. Darius Williams was not there. I think he deserves to be there. And he's just a guy that if you're not familiar with him, he'll be in the NFL draft Bible. Uh, we have a, you know, in-depth breakdown on him, but this is a guy just to keep an eye on because I'm telling you, once he gets into a camp and he'll probably be a priority free agent, but once he gets into a camp, he's going to be, somebody that's tough to cut and uh you know i i watched some some film on him briefly not too in depth but i i like what i see and i think darius williams from carson newman is a guy d2 talent uh that has a shot so just keep an eye on him i wanted to go i wanted to go deep russ because i mean everybody talks about chin and, and digger but you know how we do on the infectious scouting podcast we go deep brother 
Oh, I hear you, man. I hear you. The problem is when I go deep, I can't find anybody to share at safety. It's like you're really searching and scouring to find somebody that might fit. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Do you have a gem? Do you have a guy that might go on day two or day three, kind of a a man crush? Any players there that, that you're looking at? Well, it's safety, really, it's just the guys I really like. I mean, the, the fuller guy is probably my day two, day three guy that if I were to say, hey, pick a guy that's going to go in that day two, day three area that I think will become a starter, that's the guy. I mean, to me, he's the guy that's got a chance. To, I think I'll perform some of the, the really more highly ranked safeties in this class. Um, I think there's something about the kid, the way he plays, um, that just – I sort of get excited when I watch this kid, and I think there's something there long-term um, that could lead to him becoming a quality player at the next level. I just don't think he's getting enough opportunity in terms of hype by people. I like this kid. When I watch film of him, he jumps out to me. Who is that, Russ, we're talking about? That's four. Oh, Fuller. The, the Jordan Fuller from Ohio State. He's, I mean, there, there's no doubt to me he's my sort of guy that under the radar, that, that that's the one guy that jumps out to me of guys that are going to go day three or free agent that I think has a chance to be a starter. Um, there's nobody else I've seen this year that makes me think, yeah, this guy athletically is going to be able to handle the jump, and he's not a guy that's going to go in that first three rounds because generally it's just hard to find guys that are athletic enough. And this guy to me, he's getting overlooked by a lot of people. No, I think you're right about that. And I will say – there, there's there's one or two guys that stand out to me, and I'll, I'll throw out their names. Chris Miller from Baylor, you know, we had him out at the NFL PA Bowl. I just love the fluid, the movements, the change of direction, the athleticism. This guy looked about as smooth as anybody, including cornerbacks, going through the bag drills and, and the DB drills. He's undersized. He's 5'10 and change. Uh, so he's going to be, you know, an undrafted free agent, but he's a guy that I think, you know, earns his way on the special teams, maybe carves out, carves out a little role for himself as a valuable backup safety at the next level. So I wanted to give him a little respect. And then, you know, Brandon Jones from Texas, I know he's coming off an injury, but at one point, I mean, he was a first round guy. I think Brandon Jones, just based on his body of work prior to the injury, he's a day three Deal. I mean, uh, if you got equity, draft equity, I know the Patriots got a bunch of day three picks to, to, to mess around with. And, you know, if you're one of those teams that got some compensatory uh, picks and, and, and have the luxury of, of drafting, you know, a guy like Brandon Jones on day three, I mean, the upside, I mean, I would just literally redshirt him this upcoming season and then have him, you know, rehab rigorously, get him with the NFL strength and conditioning program and just, you know, see what happens from there. But I think he's a guy that could really, um, really be a guy. I mean, it's going to be kind of like Sidney Jones from Washington. It's going to be a boomer bust, risk or reward type of selection. Either he's going to bounce back from the injury or he isn't. But if you have that day three equity, that's a guy, Brandon Jones from Texas, who I would be really excited about. So we're going to reset here. we got Russell Landy in the building. Well, I don't have him in the building yet. I'm trying to bring them back to the Jersey Shore because Calgary has their workout here on uh, Saturday out in Lawrence, New Jersey. If you're uh, an aspiring player, if you're an agent or somebody that wants to come out to the event, hey, uh, hit us up, RIC at NFLDraftBible.com. We're going to get into some cornerbacks here. Uh, but before we do, I told you about the NFL Draft Bible and what we're doing there. Uh, we've got official combine measurements. We we are now inputting pro day data as we speak, Russ. Dakota Follett, shout out to Dakota in your neck of the woods, Chicago. He's actually entering pro day data into the draft Bible as we speak, my man. And he's all revved up because he's taking your football GM and scouting course over at sportsmanagementworldwide.com. Uh, first class begins today is Wednesday, uh, March 11th. Began last night. Began last night. And my man Dakota already sent over his first report. So he, he is on top of it. He's the one guy. He, he sent me, I'm trying to see who his report is on. Kenyon Drake. That's his first report. Haven't read it yet, but I got it this morning. 
and, and, and Dakota is great because, you know, he's just uh, overflowing with enthusiasm. And, you know, we had a chance to speak at the uh, Sports Management Worldwide Football Career Conference. We didn't get into it too much on the last podcast, but, man, I'll tell you, we really met some ambitious folks and some guys that, you know, hey, uh, all of a sudden, no joke, Russ, this guy, Dakota, hit me up. Uh, this was how many weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, we were in Indianapolis, did a great job for us here at the Draft Bible and, and just a relentless work ethic. And we said, hey, you know what, Dakota, we're going to get you out to some pro days. He's already been out to Illinois. Yesterday he was at Northwestern. So that just goes to show you the kind of opportunity when you sign up for a course like the football GM and scouting or even attend a football career conference over at Sports Management Worldwide, the type of opportunities that we're providing for folks, Russ. There was no question. I mean, SMWW, I've been doing it for 13 years. Um, it's sort of a good intro to learn about the football industry, learn about what it takes to succeed. Um, you're not going to take the class and all of a sudden get a job in pro football. That's not the way it works. But the class is going to give you some insight into how to go about getting a job, what the things you have to do to separate yourself from the thousands of other people trying to get your job. And that's really what it comes down to. It's sort of an intro to football class. And we've been doing it a long time. We've got a bunch of people working in all different leagues, CFL, NFL, Arena League, college football, pro football focus. We got people all over. So it's a nice intro class to teach you about the game of football, how the scouting works, how organizations are structured. And it's just sort of that first way you can dip your toe in and say, is this really an industry I think I want to be in? Or maybe it isn't. And some people need to really figure that out, decide if this is an industry they want to chase or if it's something that they really don't think they'd enjoy. And I will tell you, you need to find out. It's not something you can, you don't want to start quitting your job and chasing a dream until you know. And this class gives you the chance to get a, your feet wet a little bit and figure out whether you want to pursue this as a long-term career in, the, in professional football. And I will say this just to follow up. It, it makes people like myself say, hey, all right, hey, this guy completed the scouting course with Russell Landry, I know he knows what he's looking at. I know he's got a foundation built that I can bring him on. There's not going to be a whole heck of a lot of training. And I will say this one other thing, Russ had a good laugh at me giving out my email at that football career conference, almost 500 students. He said, what are you doing, brother? <laughs> what are you doing? Brother? No doubt. And I'll tell you what. And we got about 10 people from that event that we're all revved up to do data entry, Russ. And what did I say during that speech? I said, nine out of 10, don't come back. And Dakota is the, last, true. Man Dakota is the last man standing after one week of data entry. So they just don't come back. And, you know, to Russ's point, you got to find out if this business is for you because, hey, yeah, there is lit and glamour to it. You get out to pro days, you rub elbows with GMs and scouts and all that. But the, the majority of it is a lot of travel a lot of road work, a lot of time away from your family, a lot of reports, a lot of data entry, a lot of, uh, you know, driving. I mean, you've got to really have an understanding family, you know, and most scouts, as Russ can tell you, are, are single, <laughs> single males because, I mean, most females cannot tolerate uh, the life of a scout. So, hey, uh, that's just a little background on the sports management worldwide uh, football and GM scouting course. So that kicked off last night. You can still get on board for Russ's course. Go to sportsmanagementworldwide.com. We'll have more exciting announcements in the future. And Russ, it's that time now to shift gears over to cornerbacks. Um, again, we have a very talented class here. I see, I see three locks on my board for the first round. I think there's one or two other guys that could sneak into that first round conversation. So I think the safeties are more top heavy, but I think, you know, when you get down into the mid or even late rounds, there's a lot of cornerbacks that I'm excited about in this year's draft class, especially at that nickelback slot, you know, type of corner. You know, I look for those guys. If I'm an NFL franchise, I'm looking at those guys kind of early day three where, uh, you know, the slot corners are almost the equivalent of a starter nowadays in the NFL. So, um, Again, good depth here. If I had to give it a general overall grade, I would probably give it like a, a C 
strong, solid B, maybe a C plus, B minus type of grade? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's a, it's a good, solid class. Um, again, I do think there's one guy that stands above the rest, but I do think it's a very good class. I think there are going to be guys that go in this group in that third, fourth, fifth round even that I think have a chance to be starters, um, and some of them pretty early on. But I like the group. I mean, to me, there the, are the wild cards that are hard to predict. But, I mean, if I'm sitting there saying, okay, who are my guys? If I were to put my top five, I'd probably say it starts at number five with a kid from Utah, Jalen Johnson. Um, six, all these guys are pretty much six feet and over, which is really rare. Um, the kid Fulton from LSU, um, he's probably the number four guy. I like him. I think he's a little bit tight in the hips, but I like him as a corner. I like the Terrell kid from Clemson. Um, and then above them, I think there are two guys above them, but then I think there's a separation even there. I think Henderson from Florida, pretty special football player, athletic kid, long kid at over six feet, um, came out early. And I think he's a guy that should start early, has the length that you want to be a man guy, the athleticism to adjust and change direction and, and do the things you want to play off the ball. Um, I think he's a very talented kid. But to me, he's number two, and he's clearly number two above everybody else. But number one is Akuda, and I don't think it's even close between him and Henderson. I think he is so far and away the best DB in this draft. To me, this kid's a freak of nature. We talked about him actually before the season when we were talking about prospects at different schools. And this kid's film a year ago as a sophomore jumped out. He is just a freak athletically. He's got a nose for the ball. He's got a natural feel. Um, he reminds me of a more instinctive Terrence Newman when he came out of Kansas State almost 15 years ago. I like this kid a lot. I think Akut is going to be a guy that some team in that top four or five is going to take throw a dart on. He's going to be – you're going to have Chase Young and Akuda mixed in with some quarterbacks and maybe one tackle in that top five or six. And this is a kid that if you're a team that wants an elite corner, I think this is the guy you've got to go get if you want a really special rare guy uh, no doubt he's a world-class specimen and you know if Detroit does not trade out and they do not take a quarterback I, I I don't see how they don't take a two to at three there but I think there will be some wheeling and dealing uh before it's all said and well, done it's Detroit so they'd probably take some they'd probably take some kid that none of us are even talking about at three just so they could find a way to screw that up <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, those guys over there, uh, Quinn and, and Patricia, the, the uh, New England West, we'll call them, unit, is definitely on the hot seat there, and we'll see if they get it straightened out. But, yeah, I agree. Okuda, uh, head and shoulders. Above, I mean, we haven't seen a cornerback this talented maybe since Patrick Peterson in terms of a grade coming out of college. That's what comes off the top of my head. And – Shout out to Ohio State because I just spoke to Chase Young at the Maxwell Club Awards the other day, Russ, and, you know, he's telling me about Sean Wade, the cornerback. I mean, Ohio State just reloads wide receiver and corners. They got a guy, Sean Wade, who Chase Young is telling me is going to be a top five pick next year. And then they got another guy, Cam Brown, who, you know, was kind of a backup this year, who's going to step into the starting role and maybe catapult himself up draft board. So Ohio State just keeps turning them out. I agree with you on Henderson. And, boy, A.J. Terrell, I thought, you know, he just ran through those DB drills at the Combine as fluid as any corner out there. I just really liked uh, – he's well put together. He's battle-tested. He's got size. He's got speed. And then for me, my fourth and fifth corners, uh, senior experience, uh, SEC caliber type of corners. I think Kristen Fulton – from LSU, and then uh, Diggs, Trayvon Diggs from uh, Alabama. I think, you know, these are not uh, cornerback one type of guys, but I think they're guys that, you know, they have a pretty solid uh, floor. You know what you're getting, and they'll probably be dependable, you know, uh, number two corners at the next level. So uh, those are my top five guys. Um, you know, Russ, we talked about it, you know, not as strong as safeties, but still some guys here that we're going to uh, look at, you know, rewind this draft five years from now and say, hey, how did this guy go on day two? Uh, who, who's a guy that you are higher on from this cornerback class than most others? Well, you know, and this is a kid I think I mentioned to you before the season, and then I think I saw him. I don't remember which game I saw him at, but the Ojemudia kid from Iowa, I think he was down in Mobile. Um, 
this kid to me screams out starting corner in the NFL. And I know he's a, he's somewhat thin for his size, but when I watch this kid play, I watch his footwork, his ability to change direction. Um, there's just something about this kid that makes me think he's going to be a long-term starter in the NFL. Um, I know no one's talking about him as a, as a top-end guy, but I really think in that third round, you're not going to get much better value than this kid. And I think he's going to be a really, really productive guy in the NFL. I like this kid a lot. Yeah, you've you've been shooting the OJ Moody horn uh, since the beginning of the year. So, you know, I thought I thought he flashed in Mobile, and then I thought he also struggled that time. So, yeah, I think he's right in that mid round range. Just want to see him be a little bit more consistent, um, but definitely brings the size. I don't think he ran as well as we wanted him to at the combine. So, hey, maybe somebody gets a day three bargain if he slides. Um, but uh, OJ Moody. Uh, from Iowa for you. For me, it's Lejarius Sneed. I mean, what this guy did out at the NFL TA Bowl, I mean, uh, from the moment he stepped onto the podium to weigh in uh, to the moment he departed California, he just was uh, impressive. And, you know, at six foot, a buck 92, you know, I think some people uh, believe this kid is a safety for some reason, but he played cornerback at Louisiana Tech. And he's got a 75-inch wingspan. He comes out to the combine. He runs 4.37. Uh, he he jumps 41 inches vertically, and he's got you know over an 11-foot broad jump. So Lejarius Smead, not only is he a stout cover guy, not only does he have ideal size, but he's got measurables through the roof that really nobody expected coming out of Louisiana Tech. I now have a third-round grade on LeJarius Sneed. I'm not sure where people view him, but I'm pretty sure I'm probably higher than most on LeJarius Sneed from Louisiana Tech. And listening to Russell Landy, Rick Saratella, breaking down the cornerbacks. We just previewed the safeties. Next week, we'll come back. We'll talk about some linebackers. Maybe we'll sneak in some edge rushers into the conversation. We'll count you down to the 2020 NFL draft just 42 days away. And, uh, you know, we're talking corners. We just broke down our top guys and guys that were higher on on the opposite end of the spectrum, Russ. Unfortunately, there's got to be somebody who draws our, you know, ire and, and is kind of uh, soured soured taste in our mouth and I'll start off here for me it was Lamar Jackson from Nebraska and you know even throughout the season I just felt like he's probably going to have to play safety I just don't think he's fast enough Um, he struggled down at the East West Shrine game according to our boots on the ground and um, I'm just not sure he has the athleticism speed quickness or agility to keep up uh, with some of these receivers at the next level so he's got excellent size uh, but Lamar Jackson, for me, out of Nebraska, the other Lamar Jackson, I think at one point, again, a guy that was very, very high on the radar. To me, as time wore on, I just thought he was exposed and we saw some of his flaws. And I've got a hard time getting excited about drafting Lamar Jackson any any range before day three. I'm not even thinking about the guy. So, unfortunately, Lamar, I hate to say it, I'm a little bit lower on your draft stock this year, my man. But uh, who's your guy, Russ, that you're kind of down on at the cornerback position? You know, my guy, and and I feel a little bad doing it, but it's it's Ohio State. It's Arnett. I mean, when you watch Akuda and you see a true superstar, and then you see them throw the other way, and you see Arnett. And I know some people are talking about this kid as a sleeper. I just don't see it. I don't see any quick twitch when I watch this kid. I see a one-speed corner. I just He does not show me the skills to be a starter in the NFL. He, to me, looks like that guy who looks the part when you see him walking around. But when you watch him move around, I just don't see it. I don't see quick twitch. I don't see elite cover skills. I think this is a guy that probably will go higher than I expect. And I I really think this kid's going to have a hard time lasting in the NFL. I don't know where he fits in the NFL. He may have to make the move to safety because I don't know if he's got that athleticism to stay a corner. You know, and he was a guy that you heard, hey, he might run under 4-4, and then he comes out and runs in the 4-6 range. I mean, to your point, it's, you know, it's going to be a hard time to survive out there living on the edge. Damon Arnett, hey, 
I might have to circle back and then and, and bump him down a few notches because if Russell Andy says it, you know it's true, and that's what we do here on the Infectious Scouting Podcast. Uh, Russ, small school guys is a little bit thinned out at the uh, cornerback position. We talked about the small school studs up top at safety. Cornerback, I think you probably got to dig maybe into even the undrafted free agent range to find a good one. You do, but you know what? It, it, it's easy for me because there are certain schools you go to over the years and you just fall in love with the program. So you always spend extra time watching their films. So to me, there's Iowa. That's one of the ones I'm always grinding on. But another one that I always go extra deep is Dartmouth. Um, I think they probably have one of the best run small school programs in America. And Isaiah Swan, their corner, is a kid I think has got a chance. Um, as is typical of almost every kid that comes out of Dartmouth, um, forget the intelligence, you have to have that just to be there. But he plays like it, like it's important to him. He cares. Um, and I think if you're a small school kid that's coming in the NFL, you can't be one of those great athletes who tries to get by on just his athleticism. You have to play with a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. They show that you care every single snap. I think this kid has that. Um, I'm not saying this kid's going to be a guy that all of a sudden you, you get undrafted or a seventh-round pick and he steps in and starts. But I think this is the type of guy who could carve out a role for himself as sort of that emergency guy at every position in the secondary. He could be your, your last outside corner, your last slot corner, and even be your backup safety because this kid's got the smarts. He's a good, not special athlete, but he's good enough athletically, never in the wrong position, and he's going to compete like heck. There's something about this kid I like. I think he's going to end up having a good, solid career. But like I said, he's not going to be a super-duper star. He's going to be a good, solid guy that carves out a career. Isaiah Swan, of course, another guy down at the East-West Shrine Bowl. You know, I try to get into um, Dartmouth a couple of these Ivy League games early in the season. He missed like the first three or four games due to a hamstring this year. So I didn't get a chance to see him live. I tried because there was a buzz around him. I think he had nine nine interceptions two years ago. And credit the Ivy League. Most people don't realize this, but the Ivy League produces more NFL talent than any FCS conference in, the, in, in America. I think they had something like 34 guys on the 53-man roster last year. When you think about it, I mean, they've, they've only got nine teams in the conference. So, Adley plays a good brand of football. Isaiah Swan from Dartmouth, he has been on the radar now for several years. Um, for me, it's another guy I did get a chance to go down and see, uh, and that was at James Madison. You guys all remember um, Jimmy Mofo Moreland a year ago out of James Madison, tore it up at the Shrine game, got called up to the Senior Bowl, had another outstanding week there, still didn't get the respect he deserved. Uh, I think he went day three to the Redskins, and he just winded up making a huge impact. I think Richard Robinson from James Madison is another guy being overlooked, again, uh, led the FCS in interceptions two years ago, had an Achilles, sat out a year, came back this year. I saw no ill effect uh, in terms of his change of direction, speed, quickness, athleticism. Here's a guy who's above six foot. Jimmy Moreland was 5'10 and change. Here's a guy who's six foot and change. Uh, moves really well, played strong man coverage when I saw him. Um, and I just think this is a guy nobody's talking about, completely under the radar, uh, probably will be a undrafted free agent. But again, a guy that not only is he a practice squad candidate to me, Rashad Robinson from James Madison and shout out to my dude, Riley McKenzie, who agrees with me because he went into James Madison and saw him as well. We both feel like this is a NFL caliber type of cornerback. I just don't think he's getting the respect he deserves. So, hey. Remember where you heard it here first on the Infectious Scouting Podcast with Russ Landy, Rick Saratella. And Russ, last guy I want to talk about, and I don't know if you have any other guys you want to throw out, but to me, one other player I saw in person before the injury was Virginia cornerback Bryce Hall, who, you know, kind of dipped his toes in the pool, you know, last year got the, uh, grade from the advisory board and and you know was told he would probably be an early selection but came back for his senior year you know we all know the risk that entails the 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 the, the upside is improving your 
game, improving your draft stock. The downside is suffering a season-ending injury like Bryce Hall did, which I think was also an Achilles. But I'll tell you what, man. You know, there there was some um, definite variation in terms of the Blesto and national reports in terms of how they viewed Bryce Hall's draft stock. Um, you know, I liked him. I got to say, his yeah. film was impressive. I think this injury really obviously hurt him, but I think it really kept him from getting a challenge to be a guy that could have been, I'm not saying a first rounder, but I think in that second or third round, I think he had a good chance of going there. And now, obviously, you have, there's, there was debate about his play previously, but now coming off knee injury, I mean, he's, I think he'll go in the, in, in day three, but it's not going to be an early pick and he's going to have to really sort of work his way back to health and prove himself now as opposed to being a second or third rounder who would almost get two or three years automatically just to develop. But to my point, though, would you would you not be excited about getting a guy like that maybe in the fifth or sixth round and, and just kind of, again, Oh, 100%. Them? No doubt. I mean, this is – that's what, to me, that's what smart teams – if you look at the Ravens have done for years – Late rounds are always taking guys that are coming off injuries that other teams are passing on because you get sometimes guys with first and second round grades in that fourth, fifth, sixth round area that you don't know if they're going to make it. But if you hit on one fifth every three years, it becomes a good starter. That's a slam dunk. And this kid's got the length and he showed at times the ability to be a high end corner. Well, to me, you're a six-foot kid who's shown the ability to be a high-end corner in a Power 5 conference. That, to me, is enough to warrant, hey, I'm going to throw a dart because if I get lucky and you get back to what you were, I could have a long-term starter at a position that's impossible to find. Yeah, I I think he could really turn out, and again, it's a boom or bust, risk-reward type of thing. But yeah, to your, you know, like if you you nail this thing, I mean, hey, uh, Anytime you can get a potential starter on day three, that's what it's all about, right, my man? I mean, hey, that's that's. Oh, there's no question. Forward, so. And where's the risk? I mean, right. the, 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 to me, there's almost no risk with you're getting this kid in the fourth or fifth or sixth round. That's a slam dunk. Yeah, I mean, fifty percent of day three guys are, aren't aren't even making it anyway. So, um, yeah, Bryce Hall was the one guy to me that I just kind of circled like, hey, uh, if I'm an NFL team day three. I mean, even as early as round four, I'm I'm considering it. And God, if this guy slides to round five or six, I mean, I'm I'm pretty excited about that. So, um, there was a lot to cover here. I'm right there with you. Yeah, this defensive back preview, Russ. I learned a lot. I got a couple guys here as we're crossing our T's and dotting our I's. You gave me a couple names here that I just got to go back and and do my due diligence. As you know, I mean. It's just a never-ending process, right? I mean, at some point, you just have to cut ties with the 2020 draft class and and call it a wrap. But now you gave me some additional homework to do here. Uh, Any parting shots here for the people before we wrap up this another great episode? Well, the the two things. One is I'll say the one other player that I liked, I saw him at the Senior Bowl. Um, We talked a little bit about him with the kid Dane Jackson from Pitt. doesn't look like an NFL player because he's so sort of slight-framed and, and not real big and muscular. But I'll tell you one thing, this kid's got quick feet. He's explosive. This is a kid I could see coming in the league. Won't be a starter or anything, but I could see him being your, your backup slot corner, emergency outside corner. And I could see him being a productive gunner because he's quick, he's agile, he can tackle. There's something about that kid I like. Um, the other thing I'll tell you that's funny is in the media, we have to keep grinding and grinding any name that pops up we got to go do homework or whatever it may be one of the things in the nfl that people don't realize that a lot of teams really work on this philosophy and it's something that the winning teams have really sort of done is they put their board together before the combine and their rule of thumb is doesn't matter what a kid does in terms of if we've rejected them i don't care what he does at the combine what he does at the pro day we're not going to go chasing ghosts because it's more important to get the guys right that you have on your board than to try to track down every single guy that pops up with a good vertical or a good 40. And that's the difference. That's what makes it harder in the media side is even guys that are bad players, if they start their name starts to get hype because of their pro day, now you got to double back and go do work just so that you can write about a guy that probably has no chance of making it. But you got to go do that work because the the fans want to know about him, even if most teams aren't going to even go to bother and look at him because he's already been rejected by them. 
Well, you know, and you make an interesting point because at the end of the day, you know, like you and I always say, can the kids play football, right? And then, yep. you know, just, just talking to the agents, uh, you, you, you talk to the agents and they say, hey, my guy came out, he ran a 4-3-1 at his pro day, got him in the camp, had, you know, had zero production as a senior, but just ran so fast that he got a shot. And also at the end of the day, it's like, hey, you can't teach speed. So there's always going to be teams that are a sucker for the speed. And I, I, I think that's going to go on to the end of time, brother. Oh, there's no question. Hey, the reality is, and we've been, just like I mentioned before, there's only so many humans in this world that are talented enough to play professional football. And if you happen to stumble across a kid, even if he wasn't a good player, that was six foot and a quarter inch, and he runs in the four fours and verticals 39, you're a dumb team. If, you're, if he's sitting there as an undrafted guy, you're at least not giving him a shot. Because if you somehow get it to work out, boom, you have a guy. And you just can't find that many guys. And a perfect example, there was a kid, it's now four years ago, up at the CFL combine, ran in the four twos, four threes with not a very good player. Gets drafted in the CFL draft, bounces around for a few years before he finds a home. Last year, he was on the practice roster of the LA Chargers. Now he's signed to the roster for this coming year. So sometimes you get a tall kid that can run. He just needs coaching and time to sort of mature and develop. Because like I said, there's only so many humans in this world with the physical tools to be good enough athletes to play in the NFL. And, you know, the last story I'll share, the name slips my mind. It it was, I believe, towards the latter part of Al Davis's uh, tenure there. You know, he was kind of, you know, his son was kind of taken over, but Al Davis is still around. And, you know, the Raiders always valued speed. But there was that Maryland offensive lineman, and I forget the name. But, I mean, he just came to the combine and blew it up. And nobody even really had even a graspable grade on this guy. He just blew up the combine, and the Raiders took him really high. And, I mean, at the time, I mean, they were just unheard of numbers. And, and winded up, he had uh, dyslexia and, and a learning disability and claimed out. I think he was out of the league within two or three years. But, um, you know, every year it's so hard to make those mistakes, right, because – you know, let's be honest, Russ, we all still do it. The last point I'll make, and I, I'm curious to hear your input on it. I'll be honest with you. I didn't view Jeremy Chin as a first-round guy prior to the combine. I had him in maybe the top 100 mix. But then you see a guy that size run that speed. You start thinking Cam Chancellor. All of a sudden, there's conversation of him being in the first round. It's just kind of human nature, isn't it? Well, I think some of it's human nature, and I think, I mean, a lot of it really comes down to how your organization sort of sets boundaries for player reports and report changes. And I think we actually were talking about this way earlier in the year at one point, but some teams are very, and, and trust me, I'm not trying to say one way is right or wrong. Every team's got a different philosophy. Some teams are very much of, you write your report in the fall when you make a college visit, if you see him at a pro day or you see him at the East-West Shrine, you can go in and tweak your report and change it, move his grade up or down. Um, other teams, and I was with one of them at the Rams, and we had Charlie Army. Charlie was a big believer that, hey, you can't change your grade on a player without submitting to me some type of reasoning behind it. And it can't just be, hey, we were at the combine, he worked out well. No, it's got to be, he worked out well, so I went and told these four games that I hadn't seen before, these are the things I saw in the game that I hadn't seen in the other games I watched, and this is why I'm doing it. Because I think what you'll see is the smart teams, it's not that you don't take that into account with a kid like Chin, but what it should make you do is it should make you say, let me go watch the film again. Did I see this when I watched the film? Or is this guy just a guy that works out like a champion? But when I watch film, he's very scary, and he's not that type of athlete. He's a good player, but not a special one. And that's where there's always a debate, because like we keep talking about, there's only so many humans that are good enough to play pro ball. And when a guy puts up numbers like that, those are numbers that are not only good enough, but elite. And it makes you think, all right, this guy could be a special player, but you got to be cautious to make sure you're not saying, well, it could be a special player, even though he really wasn't a very good player in college. 
And that's that's what makes this business so difficult. If it was easy, teams would have missed on half the first rounders and probably seventy percent of the guys after the first round. Well, there, there's definitely no exact science to this process, and anybody that would would have been able to figure it out by now would have been a millionaire a million times over. So, hey, that's why you got to tune into the Infectious Scouting Podcast each and every week to get expert analysis from Russell Landy. Follow him on Twitter at Russell Landy. Of course, his football GM and scouting course is now started, so he can still get on board. You missed the class last night. You can still get on board for this semester. Go to sportsmanagementworldwide.com. Of course, NFLDraftBible.com is keeping it popping, keeping it rocking. Uh, we've got the Draft Bible coming down the home stretch. It's, it's going to be ready for you soon. We're really excited about it. Uh, since 2002 now, this is our best piece of work that we've ever accomplished. So I'm really proud of it and appreciate all the support for all you guys that uh have bought the book throughout the years and also tune in each and every week to this podcast. We broke down the defensive backs today. We'll be back next week to talk about linebackers. And, uh, you know, hey, just keep it cranking, everybody, in the real world. Uh, I live inside the draft bubble. Russ, you know, is trying to uh, bring the Great Cup back to Calgary. Uh, we get so consumed into this scouting process that, hey, Take the necessary precautions. Pay attention to the real world. Understand what's going on in your outside environment. Keep it funky. Keep it fresh. Keep it safe. Till the next time, everybody. Once it gets into your stream, there's no vaccine. You've got the sickness, too. Thanks for listening to the Infectious Scouting Podcast. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.